The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for December 15th, 2021. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young here. Uh, we got a, we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk Joe Manchin. A lot of Joe Manchin discourse around... A lot of conversation about whether or not he is or is not going to support the Build Back Better bill. Made some hints over the last week saying, you want to know what? This ain't going to get done by Christmas. Took a call with Joe Biden because of that earlier this week. What does he want? When will he say what he wants? And will the Build Back Better bill happen? We delve deep into the world of Joe Manchin. We will also get into a brewing and emerging firefight in Georgia, the GOP primary for governor in the Peach State will happen in May of next year, but after David Perdue announced his challenge against Brian Kemp last week, we already see some trading paint Internal polls released. A super PAC already has an ad up in the local markets. You will hear that as well. And we have some COVID news because we have Matthias Shapiro on, one of our favorites. He is a man who compiles data about COVID infection rates and death. We talk about Omicron we talk about a uh, vaccine and booster data, what protection is protection and where should we go from there? This is a little less uh, a purely anchored in the numbers, a little bit more philosophical as I think the numbers are, are beginning to fray a little bit. When we say fully vaccinated, we don't necessarily even mean the same thing anymore. So we will discuss that as well. Hey, a few little tidbits that I wanted to sneak in here before we got going. Number one, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, who is running for senator in Pennsylvania, will officially end his long-running daytime talk show in January. Many stations have already taken it off the air because since he's running... If he is on their air, these stations, for an hour, they run the risk of triggering the equal time laws, meaning that folks who broadcast into the area for which this race is happening could be forced to give an hour's worth of time to his opponents, considering how many opponents they are that would effectively take up the lion's share of their schedule. And so Dr. Oz has been canceled in a lot of markets already. But announcement 
uh, over the last week that his show will be replaced by The Good Dish, which is a food-centric talk show hosted by his daughter. (laughs) You gotta love it. Dr. Oz showing the kind of paternal love that the Roy family could only wish for. And another bit of news here for you before we get going. Kim Kardashian has passed the baby bar exam. That is not the official name for it. It is colloquially referred to the baby bar exam. Uh, She still has to pass another exam before she officially becomes a lawyer, but that one has a more forgiving success rate. This was the harder one. She passed on what she said was her third try or or, uh, she tried three times before. Either way, it's her third or fourth try. But Kim Kardashian on the way to becoming a lawyer and one step closer to fulfilling my prophecy that she will indeed run for office. But first. I'm concerned about paying down debt too, so whatever we raise, I want to make sure there's money going towards paying down debt. We have to start taking care of our debt and be responsible. And, and then if we don't, uh, if we're not transparent and accurate, Uh, then where does the money come from? It is my solemn belief that Joe Manchin will not vote for the Build Back Better bill that is before him in the year of our Lord 2021, period. Now, I might later be found wrong on that point, but from what I have seen thus far, it simply is not going to happen. Now, I get the sense that the D.C. media winds up putting a lot more mystery around Joe Manchin than is really there. Indeed, I kind of think that there are two figures in the Senate that people kind of pretend to be a lot more mysterious and gamesman brinksmanship than they really are. And one of them is Joe Manchin. The other is Mitch McConnell. I think that if we just look at what Joe Manchin has said. And we do something that is always dangerous with a politician. We believe him. Then everything makes, well, a lot of sense. Joe Manchin doesn't want to pass a very expensive social spending bill while inflation is not unlike Hulkamania running wild, brother. We know this because he asked Republican Lindsey Graham to go to the Congressional Budget Office and to have that bill scored with the the sunsets in some of the legislation taken out to see what it would cost over a 10-year period if indeed all of the, the things that are in there remained. The result, a $3 trillion ad to our deficit. Now, Joe Manchin has not been coy about these feelings. He calls them gimmicks. Quote Joe Manchin, do they not intend for these programs to last the full 10 years? Well, if you intend for that to happen, what's the real cost? Because we're either going to debt finance it or if we're not going to pay for it or come back and change the tax code again. He believes it's a bad idea to pass this bill now. 
In a call with Joe Biden on Monday, he reportedly said as much. Put simply, he doesn't want to do it while the inflation numbers are what they are. And I think amongst this, there are elements that are kind of being unsaid. Obviously, he doesn't think that now is a good time. And this is me reading into things. I don't think that he wants to have his name on pulling anything out of the bill until he absolutely has to. Our buddy Bill Share, writing for Washington Monthly, makes the argument that Manchin has won politically. And now he only really has two more things that he could do. One, kill the bill if he really hates it, or make your demands and help the bill pass. Now, Bill Share, who's a regular on this show, is a very smart guy. And I agree with him halfway. Manchin has indeed won. He stood tall against Bernie Sanders. He broke the will of the congressional progressives who tried to link the spending bill to infrastructure. And he seems immune from presidential persuasion, or at least that we can tell down in our valley, not up high on Mount Olympus. So let's address my two thoughts here. First, the timing of all this. Inflation is something that is front and center in our political discourse. Inflation kills presidencies and parties dead. All right, I know we have not had this in a while, but let's look back in history. It does not treat the party that is in power while it is happening kindly ever, period. No more need for discussion. The annual rate for uh, U.S. inflation is 6.8%. That was in November of 2021. That number is the highest since June of 1982. And with some back-of-the-envelope math, I've just determined that that's roughly around, if not slightly before, the moment I was conceived. So regardless of your personal philosophy of when life begins, I've never seen inflation this high in my life. Now, the Biden White House says this is transitory. It's going to recede next year. Joe Manchin says, great, let's pass this thing next year then. Because if you pass it now, specifically loaded with sunsets, some as close as a year after they are passed, that are going to require votes and more political pressure to make sure that they keep going sooner rather than later. And inflation is still high or worse. We are in a recession than all of these social spending measures are going to hit the rocks anyway. Now, if we're on the other side of a pandemic-triggered economic slowdown with inflationary pressures that were put in place because of supply chain hoopla, well, that's a horse of a different color. In high tide, the American people tend to enjoy spending on themselves. Second, there's the element of Joe Manchin being the final stopgap when 
I don't think if you pay attention to this reporting that the bill is particularly close to being at the point where he's the only thing holding it up. This is from Punchbowl News. Senate Finance Committee Chair Ron Wyden said in the Capitol Monday that there are more than 20 issues he is quote unquote litigating with the parliamentarian. And that's a lot, in case you were wondering. By the way, we still haven't gotten final judgment on the immigration provisions. Separately, Bernie Sanders and Robert Menendez continue to disagree on the SALT cap. That is the state and local tax deduction. This would have to be settled before you move forward. So, if according to all that, that still has to happen before there is any room for Joe Manchin to even vote on anything, let alone make a, any kind of final judgments, why should Joe Manchin be directing what is and is not in this bill now? Why should he be putting his name on what will or will not be killed at this stage? If he's going to be put in a position it should be done as close to the vote as possible. So any sting of a loss can be salved with a successful vote. Now, here's the big question for me personally. When the infrastructure bill was delinked from the Build Back Better bill, I made a bet with Jen Briney of the Congressional Dish, who said, that now the BBB was dead. There was no way it was going to pass. And I better a beer that it would. Mostly because there's a lot in there that I think the Democrats very much want to pass. Front of mind is the fact that the child tax credit, which has happened throughout this year, will expire in December. So now you're taking something away from voters, something that they've already had. Politicians generally don't like to do that. Second, let's go back to those state and local tax deductions. Well, you know, as much as we don't like to think about it, when we round the corner on New Year's Eve, it is officially tax season. I believe that all those rich blue state Democrats would very much like to bring that back to their constituency especially in a midterm year. I do still believe that BBB will pass in some form. But as for Joe Manchin, I don't think that there's really much of a question as to why he is acting the way he is right now. Oh, baby, do we have dueling banjos from the GOP primary in Georgia. Now, remember, uh, the current sitting governor is Brian Camp. He got into a gigantic fight with Donald Trump at the end of the 2020 election. Uh, Trump came down to Georgia, did a very, very good job of suppressing the Republican vote for that Senate runoff. Uh, uh, made it very personal between Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Now Kemp is running for re-election. He is going to face a stiff primary challenger in David Perdue. He was one of the Republican senatorial candidates that lost that runoff on January 5th. And now, a week later, after announcing 
David Perdue has released an internal poll. Now, sometimes internal polls are fine, right? They're just like any other poll. A campaign really wants to be honest with itself. Now, campaigns don't release every internal poll, but they do often release good ones, and this is a good one for David Perdue. Head-to-head, Brian Kemp, the sitting governor of Georgia, 44, David Perdue, 47. But wait, that little nugget of a poll was released on Monday. Tuesday morning, Kemp rolled out his own internal polling, and that is not a head-to-head. It is a three-way. In fact, he has three candidates plus other. This is going to be what it will probably be more like when it comes down to things in uh, uh, the the primary. Others receiving votes, 3%. Vernon Jones, 12%. David Perdue, 22%. Brian Kemp with 54% of the vote. Now, you would expect that that might be the case with an incumbent, especially in a state that's going to have a very active and excited Republican voting bloc. But that's not all. Brian Kemp is going to go all out to squash this bug as hard as he can before the Trump machine can mobilize in Georgia. A super PAC supporting Brian Kemp immediately went after Purdue. This was on Georgia television on Tuesday. It is an ad hitting Purdue right at his strength for being an America first MAGA candidate. Listen to this. America first means more jobs for Georgians and the best state for business. Millionaire David Perdue built a career putting himself first. Searching for cheap labor, Perdue outsourced jobs to countries like China. He made a fortune for himself, but left communities broken, families ruined. Perdue even bragged, yeah, I spent most of my career doing that. That's not America first. That's David Perdue putting China and himself first. Georgia and Georgia families last. The Georgia GOP primary is May 24th. Oh, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's booked me on Cameo. I'm definitely sensing a type. There's a type. The couples that listen... Two PX3 together, stay together. (laughs) There's been a lot of very gracious wives and girlfriends uh, that have uh, purchased for their husbands and and boyfriends. At least I'm assuming. I'm only going on names, but uh, 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 cameos. So if, if you want to join... That uh, uh, those those ranks, please head on over to Cameo. Jury is my handle there. J U R Y. Of course, if you would like to uh, go and set up a Patreon account for somebody that you love, you can do so by heading on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. Maybe throw your credit card or something on there so uh, you can gift them. 
the uh, the the PX3 Extra experience at the three dollar level. You get two bonus episodes each and every week. Of course, the Sunday 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 edition, which is the first podcast you're going to hear in the work week, that dissects and decodes all of the Sunday programs that air. So we can we can find out exactly what is on the minds of the body politic. And of course, the uh, uh, late edition that happens on Thursdays. So you get the latest possible news in our production calendar. It is made exclusive to folks who support us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And of course, I, I, man, we, we are probably running up against uh, shipping deadlines here. But if you go to pol- uh, politicalmerch.com, get all your PX3 gear there. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the logo T-shirts and don't blame me. I voted for Gloria. COVID shots equals body shots. You know, the hits. Head on over there. Uh, uh, politicsmerch.com. Thank you very much. According to an Axios Ipsos poll, 54% of Americans believe that employers should require all employees to be vaccinated. However, that exact same poll has 51% of respondents saying it should be illegal to deny employment or services to the unvaccinated. Put simply, here in the good old U.S. of A., we want as high a vaccination rate as possible, but we don't want to punish those who don't. Such is the world in this, our fifth wave of COVID. California announcing earlier this week that it is reimposing its indoor mask mandate statewide. And the Supreme Court made a decision on Monday to reject a pair of challenges to New York's COVID-19 vaccine vaccine mandate for healthcare workers, which notably includes no religious exemptions. The decision continues a pattern of the high court generally allowing vaccine mandates to stand. Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas dissented. Amongst this maelstrom appearing like a beacon of sanity in all of the chaos is one of our friends to discuss all things vid, including the rise of Omicron. His name is Matthias Shapiro, also known as Political Math on Substack. His newsletter is excellent, but we get to talk to him right now. Welcome to the show, Matt. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a joy. Now, I'm sure that you experienced this like I did, uh, which was uh, we're you're having this uh, big Thanksgiving dinner. You know, I'm around family that I had not been around for so many years. And it is it is after that in the afterglow of watching a bizarrely long Beatles uh, documentary that uh, all of a sudden all of social media fills up with uh, the the existential dread that Omicron is dawned upon the world 
It is funny that you would say it that way because it is almost literally exactly what happened. <laughs> the the only difference is that my I had uh, uh I I'm living near my family since I since I moved and we had all the cousins over and they were watching Christmas special. Oh, so it wasn't gotcha. the Beatles. It wasn't it was all, the Beatles. It was like, right. <laughs> That's the only difference. That's it. Yeah, no, it's only because my parents are are a little probably a little bit more hippie-ish. But uh, other than that, like uh uh no, it's the exact same thing. And from my perspective, the only reason why this thing popped the way it did was because we saw the government reactions to it, not only here in the United States with the ban of of uh, South Africa, but also uh, Israel and the UK. Everything kind of happened at once in a way that we really hadn't seen since really the dawn of 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 the first uh, uh, wave, right? Like like the, all the governments all doing things all at the same time. We didn't really see this with Delta, did we? The, no, there there is. I think a there's this sense which I don't agree with, but there's a sense a lot of people, especially in government, have, which is we could have stopped COVID if we had just reacted faster, sooner, yes, done more things, and um, I don't think that's accurate. Uh, but that is that is what they're doing with Omicron is they're like, oh, now's our chance to do to things. get it to get it right. We're going to get it right this time. Um, and 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 like, to be fair, if we're trying to be really super fair to everybody, you could say that the reason we're doing this is because Omicron is different from Delta in some very specific ways. Yeah. Uh, which which I'm happy to go into. But it it's. I, I want to make note that the ways in which it is different are still mostly theory and, yeah. and we're not, we don't have enough information to really say if the outworking of these changes to this variant are going to make it more dangerous. All right. So before we get into the specifics of Omicron, you, mm -hmm. you brought up something. I want to get your perspective on it. I have always had this sense and, and, you know, being in the Bay area, when everything went down, there mm -hmm. was certainly a, a large element of let's be proactive. If we are shutting things down, then we're going to keep, uh, uh, we're going to keep this from spreading. You've seen places like Australia, New Zealand and stuff like that, that have had extraordinarily stringent lockdown uh, procedures yeah. that have been able to keep down both cases and deaths. Uh, mm -hmm. But with, you know, their own costs. Uh, I guess I've always felt there is a line between full mitigation where we are like sending police out to stop people from leaving their house. Right. 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 Uh, and then the softer ways that keep an element of our lives and economy kind of moving forward that you're not going to be able to to control it at a certain point. It's just going to be a biblical flood. And you can say, sure, we should have hammered more nails into the door before the wave crashed and eliminated everything. But, right. you know, that that's that's arguing at the margins for things that that might not have have, have helped. Where in your mind now looking back two waves ago, uh, you know, uh, coming up on on two years of this being a thing. Where do you buy that argument that like, OK, well, what could we have done that would have made things materially different beyond oh. the full Australia, New Zealand, like <laughs> locking it totally down? Like not not in the way that we did where we just closed down restaurants. I, I think it is dependent, uh, really, really dependent on the population 
yeah. and what the population is willing to put up with. Right. Um, I think America, we America has a lot of different populations. Um, but generally speaking, we're we are a monstrously porous country. We got people coming in from the north. We got people coming in from the south. We have people coming in internationally from all directions. Um, I don't. We're ne- we were never going to be able to stop this thing in, in an Australia sort of way. Australia yeah. has like, I feel like I want to say they have fewer than a dozen airports that that handle any significant international travelers. Yeah, that's like that's that's i don't want to say that's playing on the easy mode but that is way different than what we've got in the united states yeah i mean it is it is it always bears whenever we start comparing kind of apples to apples it it is very hard to compare the united states to to a lot of other countries but whenever we get into the like oh well australia did this it's like yes australia has basically california's population spread out over the size of uh you know the the united states much of which is uninhabited and it has no uh uh, neighbors but because it's effectively an island. Right. And I, I, I also think there's a very big difference between what we could have done in March when we had zero antibody response in the population. We had zero effective vaccines. We had zero other um, interventions possible. Uh, at that point, it really was just like, OK, we're going to lock down until we even figure out what we're doing what is, here. What is happening? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so the. Uh, Right now, now I I think the response to Omicron is wildly out of proportion with the yeah. risks that it, it, it poses. Um, because we have we have not only vaccines, but we have a dozen other sort of uh, uh, medications and you know interventions that we can we can help people with. We have we already have COVID wards ready. With hospitals, right? We've 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 already put ventilate changed ventilation procedures in a lot of these places. It, this is not the same thing situation, right? It's not. So part of what I've read is that the reason why the Omicron stuff is super quick trigger is because the Delta stuff wasn't, and and that in that peaceful. Uh, uh, halcyon, you know, three months when we had nothing but vaccines, shots right. in arms. We, we right. it very much looked like okay, this is going to be returning to a a baseline level that right. that it will never be the same again. Before we had this, you know, wet hot Delta summer uh, right. uh, where everything kind of spiked uh, uh, back to really dangerous levels again. Uh, that maybe as things are going bad in India, as things are going bad mm-hmm. abroad, yeah. what we should have done is put in travel restrictions. We should have have said that. <laughs> what what right. is your perspective there? I don't think I I don't think we should have. I think this thing was going to end, and I think Delta was always going to happen because the only thing that I can see that's reliable is weather patterns that drive people inside cause a surge. Yes, that's period. End of sentence, at least in the United States, that's what I'm seeing. I see no other options, right? And I like you can do there were inner I, I was traveling across the country when that was happening. Yeah. And there were mask mandates in Louisiana and none in Florida. And the Louisiana versus Florida curves look real similar. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just I I I don't see I was more uh forgiving of various restriction levels when we didn't know, when we couldn't see the effects of those restriction levels in yeah. the end 
cases. But we now have 18 months of this data and we just do not see them working. Um, so when you say don't see them working and let me let me draw this line here uh, uh, just because it does need to be said. Uh, you and I are both very pro vaccine. Yes. You should go get a vaccine when uh, now whether the vaccine should be mandated again. That That is that is another another conversation. But that is a material uh, a plus. If you get yes. vaccinated, you are less likely to go to the hospital. You are less likely to die. That is that yes. is a fact. I, I, and I have been genuinely surprised by the scale of uh, of surges with in places that have as much vaccine as they do. And I yeah. want to get that like I really did think the vaccine on a population level was going to make give us lower surges and uh, and lower case case rates. Yeah. It didn't, and I don't know why entirely. But I'm still I I do want to make sure that like people hear that because not saying that makes gives a lot of room for like, well, why are we still seeing surges, which is why people want to stop. You want to stop seeing surges. I don't think we're ever going to. I think this this is going to be like the flu surges every year. I think COVID is going to surge every year. And and the, the best thing that you can do is be is try to protect yourself personally. And that the and the and the only and the only thing we have that does that is vaccines. We have some other medications, yeah. but but vaccines are are the easiest, best way to do that, cheapest. The the way that we first ran across each other was I was reading your newsletter, and you have done a really good job of trying to track, uh, uh you know, these things based on any available statistics. Yeah. Uh, what is vaccinated now? Do you have a personal line on on defining what is vaccinated? Because I, I, I've been I've been trying to track it with like, you know, the Bloomberg tracker. And, and the one thing that I always kept pointing out to people is that it's like, hey, look, like if you look at the number, we were we're up over 90 percent of Americans vaccinated with at least one shot, like has some right. level right. of antibody. This is we keep being doom and gloom with with our with our vaccination numbers. They're really not that bad. Like they are they are pretty good. Uh, uh, we can harp on the unvaccinated all we want. But like and again, I'm, I'm here to say go get your shot. Right. But <laughs> like uh, 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 so far, it has it has not been a the thundering failure. I think you'd think about if all you read was some of the doom and gloom stuff. But still, I don't know what vaccinated is. Is vaccinated <laughs> one shot where you have some kind of antibodies? Is it two shots like like the regimen uh, for Pfizer and Moderna? Is it boosted? What is it? I it, unfortunately, the definitions are being done in an extremely unflexible way by uh, by government agencies. Uh, and I think that's the that has been the wrong approach from the beginning. And I think if if you're talking, I think the only way to do this is personal freedom. Let people make their own choices about the best way to protect themselves. That's the only plausible option. If you have one shot, you are protected. If you have you have some level of protection against COVID. The longer you wait to get your second shot, you're probably going to end up with better protection. Like two weeks, three weeks is, the, I think, the official yeah. recommendation. You could wait four months. That would that would actually probably give you better protection is waiting a couple of months. Because now, um, now the we, reason- are, we are seeing that 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 the issue here is that you want a higher level of antibodies for longer. Right. Like that this is something right. that 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 you, you, you want that to last as long as possible. Right. And and I think it has been I think this has actually kind of hurt us in the long term, because 
a lot of people are getting vaccinated not to protect themselves, but to check a box, yeah. right? To check an employer's box or to check a state box or to check an education box. They're not getting vaccinated to maximize their protection. Um, and that is that has consequences, right? Um, I, I honestly, I, I really think that people should should get vaccinated. And if they're worried about the precise level of protection, talk to your doctor. Yeah. He'll probably have all this information too. Um, I, I sure hope so. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, the, and, you know, and the, I, I mean, for myself, I've got, I've got two shots and, and here's a thing that I think is really like, just not being, being told. Yeah. Is that the level of protection when the FDA approved boosters, the level of protection for two shots and uh, two shots versus two shots and, and a booster uh, against severe disease is not the the dip is not very large. OK. Right? Yeah. The, the, there is a, a substantial I want to say, like. There's a substantial difference between infection, any infection, which includes yeah. asymptomatic and mild infection. But for severe disease and death, the booster is not for 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 young ish people. I'm going to say people under 50. Yes. Right? The, the booster is not does not show a a really big improvement, um, and I, I mean if I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anybody under twenty five get the booster because under twenty five especially men under twenty five are at the highest rate of uh, of complication, and yeah. and there's almost no benefit to the booster in the statistics. So for me, I'm I'm looking at a fully vaccinated number just because that seems to provide robust protection, so yeah. on and so forth. Um, but our, our numbers aren't that bad. Well, yeah. we've got a lot of places with 75, 80% of adults fully vaccinated. And that's, that's good. You know, if, if the issue here is what are my antibodies now? Should mm -hmm. I re up? Should I, should I top off on, on the antibodies? Why, why isn't that the conversation that, Hey, go, go get an antibody test. See, see where you're at. And if, and if you're, if, if you're holding strong, then cool, yeah. uh, roll, roll on. Uh, uh, if, if you're not, then maybe you should get a booster. I, I actually, um, and I, I recommend this to people go, go give, go give blood, find out which uh, blood donation clinics will do a sero uh, a sero test as part of their like, oh, we got your blood and here's your results. And they'll give you like an antibody level. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that, that's how I get mine is I go give blood. Um, and that's a good uh, hit. That, 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 that is a pro level hack. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, here, like, here's the crazy thing. I, I have two vaccines. I will probably end up getting a booster, but I really, I actually want to wait to see what Omicron does. Yeah. And if Omicron does have some level of vaccine escape, then I'm going to wait until Pfizer puts Omicron like because they can integrate. They get, they the, get the new. Yeah. The new, the new, the, the new, new formula, new Coke, the new. Yeah, they can do right. They can integrate the new variants into their vaccines. And they actually have a, a regulatory pipeline that makes this pretty fast Two yeah. three months. I think they should have it. So I'm going to I'm probably going to wait for that. And here's the funnier thing. I'm probably going to wait for that. And I'm going to wait for um, if, if we are seeing a surge in the winter and then a surge in the South in the summer, I'm going to go get my, my, uh, uh, my booster in like May. 
right? Just get myself all ready for what, what I think is coming next summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last just question here with yeah. the, with the, with the vaccine stuff, because, you know, we, we had headlines over the last week that Pfizer's CEO saying that, Oh, there, there should be a three shot <sighs> regimen. Right. Um, number one, I've always said from the very beginning of this, that when it came to COVID, this was kind of like one of those stories in like the comics where the like hero like Spider-Man has to team up with Venom to take down Carnage. <laughs> like, you know, eventually it's going to go bad. You know, the, right. the goal <laughs> is to just minimize the fallout right. when and it's like we should never really trust Big Pharma because their job is to sell medicine and they're going to figure right. out ways to do it. Uh, right. This is good. Life saving tech. Again, I got right. I got my Johnson Johnson shot. I got my Pfizer shot. But it's like. When we're looking at, okay, it's a three-shot regimen, I don't even know what that means right now. So if I'm unvaccinated, like, do I get three shots in a row? Do I get two shots and then a, and then a booster later on? Like, like I, I have no idea what a three-shot regimen for Omicron pre-redoing the formula even means. The, the, I think the, the, it's so frustrating because this would be so much better if, the, if there weren't, if the government wasn't on top of it. Yeah. All the time. Right. Um, you should, you know, you should get a booster. You, you should do what's best for yourself. Yes. You should take care of yourself, you know, and one of the ways you can take care of yourself is by not worrying about things like reduce your stress level. That's yeah. important. Um, uh, and one of the best ways to reduce your stress level is to feel confident with COVID. And to know that you're protected, you're you're well protected, and if you get sick, it's not going to be a big deal, and not worry if you get sick. Yeah, right. Like those are all I and and I just that's what I'm doing, and it's hard. Like it, it doesn't come across on my Twitter because I <laughs> because I have to keep track of this stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah, right. And 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 I I started my Substack as like trying to keep track of COVID stuff. And I feel like I owe the people who pay me, (laughs) I owe them to do that. Um, But like, if you go, if you go from my Twitter, that's going to be like the the most stressed out level of person that I am. If you step back to my Substack, I think there is a substantial calm that comes through on the Substack. And if you go back into my real, my real life, it's way chiller than that. Yeah. Like I am. So I am everybody a- calm, calm, <laughs> calm, uh, big, deep, calming breaths, breathe in the nose, breathe out the mouth. If you have antibodies, yeah. if you have, if you have uh, uh, protection, then please trust it and, and begin to live right. your life. And it is now that we begin 20 minutes into this uh, uh, to talk about <laughs> Omicron. Uh, so. Yeah. Initially, while everybody's shutting things down and we're banning African countries from coming into the United States, bafflingly, despite the fact that they had not recognized a single case, uh, there was whispered early good news. The fact that a lot of the people that had gotten sick, even though cases were really uh, rising, right. the infection was mild. And, and you know, everybody's like, hey, calm everything down. But uh, they were. Uh, college kids. This is, you're probably going to get milder cases there, but you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like, you know, not only in South Africa, but also in some of the European countries that have had uh, a a big Omicron outbreaks, we've seen similar trends, right? So far. Yes. 
Um, the, the, I, the thing that I think is the most interesting is that the entire reason that they sequenced this genome of the virus is because a doctor in South Africa was like, started noticing that people were coming in with mild COVID symptoms, but that, but they didn't have the loss of taste and smell. Mm. And, 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 but they were coming back COVID uh, positive for COVID. That, and that's the telltale sign for COVID has always been loss of taste and smell. So she's like, oh, wow, this is interesting. I wonder if we're looking at something new. Indeed we are. Um, but they, the profile has been mild so far. So far. The, the only, and that really does look like the, the, the wave that is starting in the Midwest, in the Northeast is not Omicron. It is still Delta. Yeah. That is still what's happening there, okay? Um, but the wave that's happening in South Africa is most certainly Omicron. That is the, it is becoming the main profile virus. Yeah. Um, we are not truly going to know how severe it is until um, uh, um, uh, Christmas, Christmas or New Year. Yeah. That's, that's really when we're going to see and understand what's happening with this variant. Um, what we have seen so far has been mild cases and it's been mild. Everything that's been identified has been mild in South Africa. It's been mild in Israel. It's been mild in Germany, a couple other places. Um, and so that there is good reason for hope. Yeah. But we will not know for a couple weeks yet. Do we know if it was mild with the anime guy? There was a guy who got it at the <laughs> anime convention. I want There's to know a couple of guys. There's yeah. like a dozen, a dozen people from the anime convention. No serious cases there. No serious cases. Mm. Nope. And um, and uh, the 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 really uh, the reason I'm going to harp on South Africa on this one is because South Africa vaccine uptake is low. It's like twenty five percent. So here's here's my dumb question, and and I have I have been a serial uh, and disappointed optimist uh, uh, throughout <laughs> all of COVID. I've I've. Oh. Uh, it took me a long while throughout 2020 to stop thinking, wow, ah, another couple of weeks. Uh, uh, this is all going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is a highly transmissible, mild strain of COVID like not good, but the greatest possible thing we could ever <laughs> hope for? I, I, I. The, the, the I mean, the real question is, if Omicron doesn't take over, if it doesn't replace Delta. Yeah. What will? Because something will. Something will. Right? So, right? We are hoping, so we are hoping that Omicron becomes the dominant profile, if it indeed is as mild as we are seeing I, right now. Yeah. I certainly am. Yeah. Right. Because because one of the things is that if you catch COVID, um, then you are that's like getting another vaccine. That's like getting a booster. Yeah, the, your body is going to respond with with additional ant flooding flooding your blood with additional antibodies, and you're going to be in a great place, right? Like in a better place. And so, if we can do that with a milder form of the disease, that's yeah. a win for me. That's that's uh, that is that is that is good uh, uh, news. Uh, hopefully, again, yeah. we don't know. We need <laughs> right. to wait. Everybody, calm right. down. Uh, so far, so good. At least in terms of of what we have seen on. Uh, on Omicron. I've certainly yeah. read a lot more about, you know, the, 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 the sequencing and, and some of these results on Omicron than we have with yeah. Delta. I, I do think that, that we do have a little bit more of a, a, a granular day by day look at this than we did before. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, 
I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not following the Omicron stories particularly closely just because I'm like, this is just a thing that's going to, it's probably going to be here. And yeah. It's probably going to be dominant by about March. Yeah. I think it's probably a good, a good target <laughs> for when, yeah. but, but then by, by March, we will probably be looking at the, the, the downside of this curve. Um, and it'll, I, I suspect it's going to be the dominant strain for next summer. Um, and if it's, you know, if we have reasonable vaccination rates and it's a mild disease anyway, then I, I am, I'm just hoping everything, everything chills out and goes back to normal for everybody. Um, and that's so. uh, the, uh, from your lips to God's ears, man. Holy, <laughs> right. holy smoked. Right. Uh, uh, man, I, I, I just, <sighs> I, I, I don't know what to do in the long term with the media and COVID because okay. it feels to me like COVID is the default news. Whenever nothing else is happening, they're talking about COVID. Yeah. Uh, and it's real hard to go back to normal when it's the topic of conversation everywhere. Um, and it's funny because like I actually tried to stop stop talking about COVID last May, I think. I was like, I'm done. That was Not- in that was in that peaceful spring. That peaceful, beautiful <laughs> right? spring. Right, right, right. Um, and I'm probably I'm I'm probably gonna stop my monthly um my monthly thing next March or April. Um, because I'm, it's, it is a lot of work and yeah. I, and, and I don't think, I don't think obsessing over COVID for the rest of our lives is the way to go about things. So for you, what is that line where it falls out of, okay, this is dangerous enough that people do need to be aware of it. And, right. and now it is much like, uh, 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 car accidents and and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, other serious illnesses something that you should be aware of it should be look upable and and we should know how to protect right, ourselves sure. but it's not top of the fold headline news i mean for me look for me speaking to my audience a yeah. lot of what i'm doing is is re- trying to offer a counterbalance to the me- to, to the news that they're seeing yes right um I, if, if, if this was not in the news uh, and I didn't have to give people like, actually, here's what the numbers are really doing sorts of summaries. Yeah. uh, Because, because the media is terrible at that. Oh my goodness. I Um, think, I think there is, and there's a larger kind of question about this, but I think that a lot of what we have seen media wise throughout this process is us paying the piper for the fact that we have had really piss poor science journalism for about, 10 years now. Like uh, the internet was, was great for a lot of different things. It was not great for science (laughs) journalism. Like like, things have only gotten kind of more hysterical. uh, uh, And, and to be honest, I don't think that we have specialized journalists in a way to understand. I mean, like that's a hard job. Being a science journalist is, is very, very, very difficult because you need to understand something that is very complex. You need to bring that truth from the mountaintop and you need to put it in, in a reasonable term. And I think we have, we have not trained a core. Like there are precious few people that do it really well. The fact that there is such a disconnect between what you hear from public health officials who go onto CNN or Fox news or MSNBC uh, and the actual scientists, if you sit and watch the incredibly boring meetings that the CDC yeah. and the FDA host, 
that like it is night and day. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the meetings with scientists and doctors are like, here's what's going on. Here are our recommendations. Calm down. Yeah. Right. And, and the, and the recommendations that they give are not being reflected in the public policy. Um, there were several, several doctors in the FDA meeting to approve the vaccine for five to 11 year olds yeah. who said mandates are not appropriate for this age group. Yeah. Period. Period. And, and there were, there were a couple of, couple of people there who were like, look, I'm going to vote yes, because there are immunocompromised kids who need this vaccine. But do not interpret that yeah. as a go ahead for vaccine mandates for this age group. And there, there was one doctor who said the appropriate if, if your child has caught covid, the appropriate response to the approval of this vaccine is to do nothing. Yeah. And they're they're not they do not beat around the bush. And you do not see that response reflected in either the science journalism yeah. or our public health health responses. And that's ex- that's drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I I don't know, maybe I need to let go of this, but I very much believe that that this has gotten materially so much worse because it happened during an election year. And, and Mm. then there were, there were lines drawn that now we are still fighting these, these battles, even, you know, coming up on or past a year since, uh, uh, election day. But maybe this was just always going to be a thing where we were going to find our, our, our battle positions and we were going to fight about it because there doesn't seem to be an, I mean, like you said, you can, everybody can watch these FDA and CDC streams. They, they're on the yeah. internet. Like, like you could, you could watch them on demand or, or live. Uh, but you're right. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of reflection of that, uh, you know, either in, in the questions asked of the other public health officials or the, the lessons of the public health officials. Yeah. There, there is this, there's this vision. I, and I, I, so I want to start this out by saying uh, you're from the Bay Area, so you know the type. I'm a tech guy. I think humans have amazing capacity to solve all sorts of fantastic problems. Yes. Right. And yeah. I'm always I'm always astonished by how good we are at, at that. And it, yeah. I think it's great. Um, there are some people who think that the only that we can solve this COVID problem, we can we can stop all surges. We can right and and. We just need to try harder. Yes. That's not true. We cannot stop this. Right. And you and we and we that should be okay. Right. Yeah. We can't we can't stop the flu either. Yeah. We can protect ourselves the best best way we can. And and I'm still so I'm still super excited that we have these vaccines. We didn't have no one had a vaccine a year ago. I mean, like they're like we're on. Like a week from now, I think, is when they started doing the very first rollout of these vaccines, which I love to remind people went great. Yeah. Um, yeah. We blew we blew the expectations out of the water when we first started rolling this stuff out. Um, and I, 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 for me personally, this is all over. But for the living. Right. Like yeah. just go just start going about your life. And, you know, my my granddad. um my granddad is still with us and he is going to get more booster shots than I'm going to get. Yep. But, you know, 
but and that's fine. We we're gonna we should treat different people with different profiles differently. Um, but but just leave it up to them. Let them let them deal with it because we are. Uh, uh, but but the the policy response, like the I I genuinely believe that there are people in the Biden administration who genuinely believe that they they could stop this if they just tried harder. If we just do everything harder, yeah, we could we could stop this. If we and- if we if we vaccinated more, and and that's and that's the the I'm I'm, I'm sympathetic to the idea the the concept of why you would want to do the OSHA mandate and stuff like that. But like uh, ultimately you are in a game of persuasion, you know, and I don't think that, you know, uh, 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 mandating is not persuasion. (laughs) Mandating is, is, is coercion. It's interesting because the, one of the, uh, there's a, a guy named D.A. Henderson, and he led the WHO um, uh, smallpox vaccination and er- eradication program. OK. Yeah. This guy was super fascinating. They made him they put him in charge of this in his mid 30s because everybody thought it couldn't be done. And so they gotcha. wanted to they wanted the, the the young American to take the fall for it. Yeah. Um, but he wrote a book on smallpox and we had smallpox vaccine mandates in the 1800s, 1860s, 70s, 80s. OK, um, he wrote about that and he said the mandates failed because mandates inevitably fail because you uh, because and I don't know if this is just, if this is an American thing. Um, but he's like, if you tell somebody they have to do something, they don't want to. Yeah. The only way that we got everybody vaccinated was through persuasion. Yeah. That's the, you had, to, and it took decades. It took decades for that to happen. We had a, I think we had a, a smallpox outbreak in New York city in the thirties. And, you know, and what happened was it, I, I, I can't, I've been looking to see if there was any mandate. And I don't think there was people were lined up to get the vaccine yeah, everybody got the vaccine. They they had classes where you could go to the class to learn how the vaccine, basically, to be persuaded, right? So if you're yeah. if you don't know if you don't know enough about this thing, you know, we're gonna host a class. Come into the class. We'll talk about it, and we'll we'll coax you in, try to coax you into getting your, your vaccine, right? Um, and I don't think I don't think there's any way around that. I think uh, the, the the only the only case in his whole book where he said the vac- uh, that a mandate was appropriate was a nomadic tribe in I think Botswana and it was 4000 <laughs> it was 4000 people who had a religious objection to um to vaccination that's enough people so there are enough people that that they can it can be a reservoir for for smallpox and they travel between countries so that may real to like pin down and make sure your your uh, country's it's spreading in different areas. Um, and he said, and he said the, va- the vaccination mandate was the last resort, and it was the only way to stop this thing. Uh, and but you can you can tell from his sense of things as the guy who eradicated smallpox, he thinks <laughs> that he thinks that vaccine mandates are a last resort. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with him. You know, I I wonder what our vaccination rates would be specifically amongst uh, uh, 
vaccine hesitant communities. And and look, mm-hmm. there's going to be every poll after poll after poll shows there's like nine percent of people that are just like, nope, never, uh, like not right. ever going to do it. You're like, okay, right. write them off. Talk about only the persuadable people, right? Right, right. If you just did apropos of nothing a gigantic national campaign about getting over a fear of needles. Like <laughs> yeah. if you, if, if you just, just, Hey, for whatever reason here, we're going to put a bunch of money and into whatever available therapy is, is out there uh, uh, right. to say, Hey, here's why you have a fear of needles. Here are uh, reasons why people develop fears of needles. Here's, right. here's a, a, a thing you can do, blah, blah, blah. I feel like we would have more people vaccinated because there's a bunch of people that I know that are like super pro vaccine, but they're like, I just hate needles. I just don't want right. to go do it. Right. Right. Well, I've, I've heard that there are, uh, they're, they're looking at some oral vaccines, which would be fantastic. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, right. it'd be great if it was here. But, but I, I, that that's also part of it is that like, we're still, we're still developing therapies for this thing, yeah. right? Like there's a lot of stuff we can do. It's not, it's not one thing or nothing. Um, yeah. And so, and and I really like. Do you ever read Chris Arnaud? He does these walks through uh, distressed uh, neighborhoods or, or uh, broken down cities, and that's no, sort of no, no. That sounds great, uh, though. He he wrote a book uh, called Dignity, and he he put together this um, concept of what he calls the front row and the back row, and the front row is basically highly educated people, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the back row is people who maybe dropped out of high school or didn't go to college. And uh, it's it's sort of like the white uh, the white collar versus the working class sort of thing. Right. Sure. He talks to a lot of working class people. And he said that one thing that he's noticed is if a lot of people will just they will volunteer that they are unvaccinated proudly. Uh, and it's be, I, I think a big part of that is because we have a scold campaign. On yeah. vaccinations. And when you scold people, there, there's going to be a chunk of people who are like, no, I'm going to I'm going to be that that outsider class. And if if that and I think it's a, I think it is an absolute travesty that we have made the unvaccinated an outsider class that because now now you've got these people who like it's a point of pride. And how do you get past that? I because, <laughs> I, had, I had. Yeah, I, I, had, I don't I know. Man. Mine. I had a friend of mine who's very, very pro vaccine. He's a, he's a very liberal guy. And he's like, like, I know that it's not a good thought, but <laughs> I, I am, I, I derive some element of uh, uh, happiness to know that people that, and again, he thinks that unvaccinated people are risking you know, the, the, the health of the planet. Right. So this is right, where his right. perspective is. Cause I'm about to say something ugly, but it's like <laughs> that, that the idea that, that these people are losing their jobs and they are being mm-hmm. punished for this thing. And I'm right. like, Hey, in every movie you ever saw where an underclass of chuds is created, right. like, or do the heroes come from that group or the group right. that made them? Like right. very rarely is it like, hooray, we made the underclass of chuds. It, right. It's always about the, the people from the bottom coming, uh, bringing a reckoning up. It's like, th- there's just, I don't know. I mean, to me, the idea that we're going to repeat the basket of deplorables, uh, a strategy for, for something as important as public health just seems right. a little weird to me. It was, it was funny that um, somebody made the, 
uh, made the comment that what we really needed to do is someone need to recognize that we are a deeply divided country and they should have started a campaign to make like Pfizer is for Democrats and Moderna yeah, is for Republicans. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it would have been a fight. Uh, I mean, and then I, we would... <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I, I've i said from the very beginning, number one, there was a point in which Dr. Fauci's usage rate was was at its saturation point. Everybody right, was yeah. going to listen to him. That's fine. Congratulations. We're now ushering in our new public health faces, uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Cedric <laughs> the Entertainer. Like, yeah. like they just people that are specifically talking to the audiences that need that, that, that have lower vaccination rates. Let's have people that talk to them as opposed yeah. to, you know, somebody who seems yeah. removed and, and has already become kind well, of demonized. And, and and the trouble is it can't like, this has got, it can't come from the top down, right? Like they just don't like, you could recruit somebody, but if you put them in at the podium at the white house podium, their credibility with a certain class of people just goes away. Right. Yes. Um, and that was true before with, with yep. Trump, you know, when, yep. when, when Fauci or Burks came up, uh, uh, behind uh, Trump or next to Trump, people looked at him different than they do yep. now. Like, yep, yeah, it's it's so. I mean, that's that's disappointing. And uh, but it, but it but it that's. I mean, the, if the common theme of this podcast is one thing, it would be live in reality. Yes. Don't live it. Don't live in a place that you think we should be. Live in the place that we are. Um, right. We we have the vaccines. They seem to be working. That's where we are. Do that. Um, you know, we, we if we're going to respond to something, let's not respond to this idealized world in which everybody is always going to listen to us, in which because I say you should get something, that means everyone gets it. Right. Let's let's do let's do our best. Um, but 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 move, like move on, move forward with the world as it exists and uh, and don't don't hide from that world either. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 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 Matthias Shapiro, political math. Uh, uh, where can people find your Substack? My Substack is uh, polymath, P-O-L-I-M-A-T-H dot Substack dot com. Uh, I do a monthly COVID survey um, and that is just just flat out all the numbers. I do it region by regions. I think it's super helpful. It's been helpful for me to keep my feet on the ground. Um, and I also write, I write a little bit about politics. Uh, I'm going to be talking to someone recently about, uh, about the new right, um, and, uh, and who they are and what they talk about and, and where stuff is going. So I, I talk most, I do mostly data and I talk a yeah. little politics. Uh, but I also, I, I enjoy, uh, talking about old cartoons. So every, every <laughs> one of my newsletters has an old cartoon at the bottom. So. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, uh, again, I've said this before, I will say it, uh, uh, one more time for the folks in the back, but, uh, <laughs> your, your data crunching has been something that has been a tremendous, uh, anchor for me, especially in kind of understanding things like, Hey, this is a seasonal respiratory disease. So yes. like, let's oh. for everybody that wants to moralize about how bad things are in the South during the summer, Things are yep. going to be bad in the North during the winter. Uh, that right. does not mean that vaccines don't work. It doesn't mean that that any of this, you know, kind of culture war stuff is more or less true. It is understanding the threat for which uh, we, we we face. And I think that that you have done a great job of keeping the spotlight very tightly on that. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, but it's been 
it's been good for me and uh and i'm glad to hear that other people enjoy it uh thank you so much for joining us all right And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank Mr. Shapiro for coming on and discussing all things COVID with us, you can head on over to px3guest.com. It always means a lot when, uh, when you guys go out of your way to thank our guests. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Behind the scenes, it matters. So head on over there. Theyoungamerican at gmail.com is where you can send all of your emails. You can follow the show's Twitter account at px3tweets. You can follow our live broadcast. I am live three days a week on the Twitch platform, px3live.com. px3podcast.com is where you can share this podcast with your friends and family and politicsmerch.com is where you can buy all of our merch. Uh, we do have some Christmas bonuses that came in for, for folks who enjoy the show and wanted to just uh, 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 break us off here with a little something nice. Let me, let me head on in there. Our, our Venmo, Justin dash young dash 20. Here we go. Francis. Hit me off with a, a $20 Christmas bonus. We also have uh, Paul, who did exactly the same. And uh, Miles hit me off with a dollar. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All of the Christmas bonuses are very, very, very welcome. You can uh, do it at the Venmo, Justin-Young-20, or PayPal, paypal.me slash payjury. Our cash app is px 3 cash and of course, you can send anything that you would like in the mail to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. A couple notes here. Thank you to one of our, our favorite listeners, Lucas Hawley, who sent along wine, Christmas wine. And it was wine for both me and Andrew Eaton. So I need to run into Heaton so I could give him his bottle of wine. But that so far is the high water mark in, uh, in gifts from uh, the amazing, tremendous, uh, brilliant PX3 faithful. And uh, a little note of congratulations to one of our, 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 our favorites here, Vigard from Norway, who has just received his BA in history. So a, 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 I don't even know that, that, that graduations happened at this time. I guess it is the end of the semester, right? I guess it's not the, the craziest thing in the world. But from Austin, Texas, all the way out to the University of Bergen in Norway, we all salute Vigard on his achievement. Of course, if you would like to get bonus content, uh, of this program, you can head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. The $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. 
Idris Arslandian, DJ Katie Mack, Meister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, De Quince, Anile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicetti, 70s TV salesman, or spy, D. Really, and vote for Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please, Dot Com Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Double K Ranch, Pop Gold, Yield Pinball Shop, John, Snuffy's Off Route 44, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Richard, D. Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age, Mike, The Gen, Will, J. Pink, and Andrew, if you'd like to contribute at their level, get your name read. Maybe that's a fun little gift to yourself for the holiday season. You can head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. On Friday's edition of the show, we are going to be talking to a linguistics expert. You guys know I love the verbal back and forth of uh, uh, the world of politics. So we are going to get into that on Friday's episode. And I'm going to talk about January 6th and the January 6th committee. Um, Yeah. Almost did it today. I'll do it on Friday. <sighs> I don't know. You can tell how excited I am, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get. We're gonna go. We're gonna talk about it. It's just so. It's hard to get any kind of realistic read on it, and so I'm gonna put forth the effort. This is me being lazy, so. I'll do the work. We'll talk about it Friday. Until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more. Man, they're talking about politics, but this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.